Thank you for joining us on the CFF Podcast. Today, we'll be sharing an inspiring message from the Word of God. We hope you enjoy and welcome home. Shall we bow our heads and pray? Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for your love and for all that you have done in our lives. Thank you for Jesus, the price he paid that no one else could have paid on our behalf. And thank you that in our time and generation, we are privileged to come to faith to know you. And tonight, we are here to spend time in your presence, open your, uh, your word, the scriptures, and as we depend on the Holy Spirit, we pray that our hearts will receive the message you have for us. Lord, I pray that by the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit, no one from this church tonight will go empty-handed. I just pray that you speak to our hearts. Thank you for the gift of your only son. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Mark, chapter 15. And today is Good Friday, and we are privileged to be in the presence of God this evening because he had made it possible for us to come. So I am going to be sharing with us not something you don't know, I'm going to just remind you what you know. And so I want you to open your hearts and receive what the Lord has for us. I want us to look at the message that is talking about the place called Golgotha. The place called Golgotha. I don't know how you pronounce Golgotha. Can I hear you pronounce Golgotha? Golgotha, all right, the same. So you understand what I'm saying. Um, Mark chapter 15, verse 22. Mark, the gospel according to Mark chapter 15, verse 22. And they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of his call. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with mire, but he received it not. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them. What every one should take. And it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And this superscription of his accusation was written over the king of the Jews. And with them, uh, sorry, with him, they crucified two thieves, the one on his right hand and the other on his left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which said, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyed the temple, and builded it in three days. 
save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribes, he saved others, himself he cannot save. Let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him revived him. And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbatani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And some of them that stood by, when they heard it said, behold, he calleth Elias. And one ran and filled a sponge with uh, full of vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink, saying, Let alone, let us see whether Elias will come to take him down. And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion which stood over against him saw that he so cried out and gave up the ghost, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. Friends, you know that today all over the world, all over the world today, the Christian world is remembering the Good Friday. And as Christians, we don't only need to reflect on what Jesus did for us on Good Fridays. We need to, on a regular basis, visit the account of what he did on our behalf. Because the moment we go through this account, we're going to see the agony of the cross. And we're going to see that the agony of the cross actually began at the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus came to the understanding that his hour has come, what he did was to get the disciples together for them to have the Lord's Supper what we celebrate today as Holy Communion. And the Bible says, after they had eaten, it was while they were on that table that he told them what was going to happen, that one of them was going to betray him. And they began to excuse themselves, began to ask him if they were the people until they got to Judas. And you know, as I do, that when it got to Judas, he didn't have the boldness to say to Jesus, it is not me. What he did was he sneaked out. And this was a man that had spent three years and a half with Jesus. And the Bible says he opened his heart for the devil to enter. And that was how he became an instrument of betrayal. And 
As he concluded the arrangement of the betrayal of Jesus, Jesus asked the disciples, let's go to the garden. And friends, listen, as they went to the garden of Gethsemane, you know what happened? That garden was a place where people could go and just spend a quiet time for Jesus. The garden of Gethsemane was not for pleasure. What that garden meant for others was not what it meant for Jesus. Listen, I believe that the way through the cross was through Gethsemane. And I believe that if there was no Gethsemane, there would have been no Calvary. Listen, what I'm saying is Jesus had to go to Gethsemane and Jesus had to really break through in prayer, travel in prayer in order to be able to go to the cross. If he never got the breakthrough on his knees, you know how the Bible says that while he was praying, his disciples that he had counted on disappointed him. And may I ask you not to disappoint the Lord at his own hour of need. When he counted on his friends, his disciples, he asked them to pray with him so that he would be able to go through what was coming on him. They couldn't pray with him. They couldn't tarry with him. They couldn't watch with him. While he was praying, they were sleeping. But he knew, if I'm going to go through what is coming on me, if I'm going to bear the sins of the whole world, if I'm going to pay the penalty for sin, I need to get the victory. Listen, the victory was obtained at the Garden of Gethsemane. It was when Jesus wrestled and wrestled. It was there that he asked the Father, if you will, let this cup pass me. But the Father also knew that there was no way he could allow that pass. Not to be that cup, not, be, not to be drunk by Jesus. Because if that cup had passed, I would not be here today. You would not be here today. And the Father knew that. And Jesus wrestled until the, the sweat that was coming out of his body turned to be blood. And when he woke up, he went back to see if the disciples that he had asked to pray with him, were praying only to find Peter, James, and John sleeping. When I read this account, I ask God, please, don't let me disappoint you when you have a need that I can respond to. Let, more, let me not fail you when you are counting on me. Let me not be found wanting when you want me on, you, on my duty post. And Jesus saw Peter and John sleeping and James but that did not discourage him. That did not make him to change his mind. If it were me, if it was 
I and you, you know what? I could have said, oh, I am going to die for you. And I ask you to pray with me. And you are sleeping. I'm changing my mind. That's what I could have done. I'm changing my mind because what I'm going through is not caused by me. I'm going to pay your price. And I ask you to pray with me. And you're not praying with me. I'm changing my mind. But Jesus never did it. That's why you are here today. Friends, that's why you could come to a place like this and lift your, your hands and worship him in freedom because he broke the chain of sin from your life. It was because of what he did. And he won the victory. Listen, I believe that Part of the reason why Jesus wrestled and wrestled and wrestled three times. He prayed and got up, went back again and prayed and got up. And the disciples were still sleeping. He went the third time. I believe that the reason why he did that was because as he was kneeling in that garden, He could visualize the cross approaching. He could visualize the pain, the agony that was coming. He could visualize the darkness that was closing up on him. And he had to get the breakthrough. And the moment he got the breakthrough, you know what happened? He told them, let's go. Because he knew he won the victory. The victory was won before he was nailed to the cross. And when he won the victory, that was when he said, let's go. It was after he knew that he had broken through that he was ready to face the agony of the cross. And can I tell you tonight that there are things that you may not get in your life until you break through in prayer. There are things I'm not saying everything. There are things that will depend on your breakthrough in prayer for before they can open up for you. Jesus got the victory through prayer. That was why he wrestled and wrestled and traveled until the blood, the, the sweat that was coming out became blood. And today, we find it difficult to pray. We're looking at Golgotha, the place of skull. And you know that the day that Jesus was crucified was the day that sin, Satan, and forces of darkness 
were defeated for you and I forever. The day he was crucified was the day that sin was defeated. That was the day that Satan was defeated. That was the day that the power of darkness was defeated. And can I tell you, child of God, you have no reason to live a defeated life. No reason. There's no justification for you to let the enemy defeat you because sin, Satan, and the power of darkness, they were all defeated at the cross of Calvary. It was a prize that was so, so great. Hanging on the cross, naked and humiliated, our Lord Jesus suffered the most painful death known to humanity. The most terrible way to die is by crucifixion. That's the most humiliating and painful way to die. And so I want us to look at the place called Golgotha. Number one, it is a place of condemnation. Golgotha was a place of condemnation. It was a place of condemnation because it was at Golgotha that man condemned his maker without remorse. Man looked at his maker and condemned him. And you know why? Golgotha was a place of condemnation because Jesus wanted you and I to be free from all kinds of condemnation. He paid the price. He, asked, he was condemned so you could be free. Golgotha was a place of choices. A place of choices. I'll show you that. In the book of Mark where we read, chapter 15, verse 22, my second point is that Golgotha was a place of choices. You know how you make a choice. All right. Verse 22. It says, and they bring him unto the place Golgotha, which is being interpreted the place of skull. Look at the next verse. And they gave him to drink wine mingled with myrrh, but he received it not. He received it not. When the soldiers offered him wine, mingled with men, he decided he had the choice not to receive it. He made the choice. They wanted him to receive it. They wanted him to drink it. But he refused to do that because it was going to make his death easier for him. 
That's why they gave him, it was a kind of narcotic drink. It was going to put him to sleep. Kill the pain. That's what that, they knew. They, they want it. it wasn't because they cared about him. It was because they wanted their job to be easier because that was the job that was given to them. So they gave him that wine to drink so that he could, he could kill his pain. He could just not feel the pains, but he made the choice to bear my pain. He made the choice to feel my pain. He didn't want to kill the pain. He let the pain crush him. That's what Gogota was for Jesus. So it was a place of choices. They did not even care what he was suffering. They just wanted their, their job to be easier for them. But Jesus chose not to drink that wine to reduce his pain. He chose to feel the fullness of the pain in fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 53. Because what he was going through was, had been already prophesied. He was going to bear my grief. He was going to bear my pain. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. If Jesus had rejected, if he had received that vinegar, I mean, that wine that was mixed with mayor, it could have contradicted the word of God. He allowed himself to bear my pain and your pain. Golgotha, number three, was a place of crucifixion. It was a place of crucifixion. Mark chapter 15, verse 24. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garment, casting loss upon them. What every man should take. It was a place of crucifixion. The scripture said, when they had crucified him, they parted his garment. And you know, they crucified him between two criminals. at Golgotha, at the place of skull. And you know, like I said, death by crucifixion is an unnatural death. That's not how to die. It was very unnatural. But he chose to die because of you and me. And he, it was the most painful way of dying and that's why the crucifixion of Jesus manifested the wickedness of man. It was at that cross, at that place, that man manifested how wicked he is. So that's what 
Golgotha is. Number four. Are you following me? Number four. It was a place of cruelty. Cruelty. Do you get that? Okay. Kurel. You know I'm from Nigeria, so. <laughs> and by now you should be used to my accent. <laughs> All right. So let's look at Mark chapter 15, verse 29. Mark 15, 29. Through 32. And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads and saying, Ah, thou that destroyed the temple and builded it in three days, save thyself and come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests, mocking, said among themselves with the scribe. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Verse 32. Let the Christ, or let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross, that we may see and believe, and they that were crucified with him revived him. So at the cross, at Golgotha, was a place that the cruelty of man, the wickedness and cruelty of man was displayed. Because mankind had the time Golgotha presented God and before man, the God that made man, man came face to face with him at Golgotha. And man made the choice to kill God. That's how cruel man decided to kill God at Golgotha. So, it was a place that the cruelty of man was displayed. It was where man met with God face to face, but did not bow before him, did not worship him, did not even honor him, but chose to kill him. And you know, some of us were very cruel, but today, Jesus has transformed our lives. Yeah. One after another, they manifested their wickedness. The soldiers the first thing they did, they grabbed his garment and casted lot. The garment that Jesus had 
was the only possession he had. But they divided it to fulfill scripture. The soldiers manifested their cruelty. The crowd manifested their cruelty. Among the crowd were people he healed, the people he delivered, the people that he wrought miracles in their lives. But they forgot all that and showed him wickedness. And they were railing on him. They were smiting him, calling him names because of how cruel man is. And after the crowd, then you see the priests, the religious people. They also showed their wickedness to Christ. And after the religious people, one after another, the religious people, the moment they finish their own railing against Jesus, the thief on the cross, the guy that had no reason to look at the Son of God and call him names, called him names. Friends, it was not these people that did all that to Jesus. It was my sin and your sin. And that is why we need to survey the wondrous cross. We need tonight to ask the Lord to give us a revelation of the cross. Show us again all that he did for us. By the time you see this revelation, by the time you come to the understanding of how much he paid your price. Let me tell you, my brothers and sisters, it, it would be difficult for you to think about going back to the world. It would be difficult because the world has nothing that it can offer to you. The moment you say bye to the world, that's it. You're not going back. When you remember all that he did for you, and when you remember all that he did for you, you will be ever grateful. And it will be a privilege for you to surrender your life for him and for his service. And tonight, as I conclude this message, may I ask you to rededicate your life to Jesus. May I ask you tonight to ask the Lord to rekindle your love for the Savior that died for you. May I ask you to yield your life afresh on the altar and say to the Lord, what would you have me to do for you? And may I ask you, listen, Sunday is Easter Sunday. Can you make a commitment tonight and say, Lord, I'm going to bring somebody to Jesus on Sunday? It's easy People are hurting, they are dying, they are waiting for you. They want to hear you say, come with me to meet my Savior. They want to hear your story. Don't let the devil close your mouth. This is an hour, this is a time, it's an opportunity that you can ask your friends, ask your family members, hey, we need to go celebrate the risen Jesus. Listen, I'm sure that if you can bring them, Pastor Pablo will be ready for them. I'm sure we can spread our net on Sunday and catch 
men for Jesus. If you want to do that. That's why we are alive. That is the reason why we are alive. There's no other reason why we are alive, my friends, is to fulfill the purpose and destiny that God has given to us. That's the main reason. That's the reason why you are alive. That's why you are in this generation. God wants to count on you. I read the scripture in the book of Judges chapter 5, verse 23. It kind of shook me. That scripture shook me. In King James Version, it said, the scripture says, Curse ye mirrors. Curse ye mirrors, says the angel of the Lord. Can somebody read that scripture for me? Judges. Judges chapter 5. Yes. King James Version. Judges chapter 5, verse 23. Because what? They did not do what? When God needed help, he asked them to help him, but they refused to. And that attracted a curse on them. The angel of the Lord said, curse your marrows. Because when God was in need of help, they didn't respond. Tonight, listen, God is in need tonight. God is in need tonight. He needs men. He needs women. He needs young people who will give him an Easter gift on Sunday. Would you do that for him? The greatest gift you can give to him is to bring a soul to the feet of the cross. And I want to ask you tonight, if you want to do that, if you want to say to Jesus, who paid this huge price for you. Lord, I want to renew my love for you. I want to renew my dedication for you. Listen, pastor was talking about offering. The moment, listen, the moment we surrender and he becomes the Lord of our lives, everything, we don't even own anything because he bought us with a price. It won't be difficult for us to use whatever he has given to us because we know they all belong to him. You know, God opened our eyes a couple of days ago when we read Matthew chapter 28, the resurrection morning, that the women took their spices to the tomb to anoint Jesus. But by the time they got there, he was already risen. And it was like a revelation. 
Why did they wait until it was too late to give him their offering? Mary Magdalene saw ahead of time and she went and broke her alabaster box of ointment before Jesus was even crucified. But these other women waited until when he died and by the time they took their gift and offering, it was a belated offering. I don't want to give God a belated offering. I want my offering to be on time. And when I offer him my life, I offer him my all. Tonight, I invite you to say to this Jesus, I want to renew my love for you. I want to renew my passion for you. I want to renew my fire for you. And I'm going to bring people to you. I'm going to bring you a gift on Sunday, an Easter gift. Because if you bring them, they're going to hear the word and Jesus will transform their lives. Shall we stand?